What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and as always, I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. I'm doing well. Um, we're speaking here on July 11th, um, a week before the MLB All-Star game, and both of our teams, the Mets and Yankees, are in first place. The Yankees are comfortably in first place, even after losing two of three over the weekend to the Red Sox, where the Mets, did they lose two or three? Was it, two, it was a three-game series? It was four. They split. Oh, so, but they, but they lost the last two. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, but, and the Mets, though, are holding on for dear life <laughs> as they head into Atlanta tonight uh, for the start of a three-game set with just a game and a half lead over the Braves who have been one of the hottest teams in baseball for over a month now. So yeah, New York, New York, but one team is sitting on top, you know, and, and, and got their legs crossed and the others, the other team, my Metsies are sweating bullets. Um, but how about you as a Yankee fan, man, you, you one of them Yankee fans that, you know, needed some, psychiatric counseling today after they lost two games to the Red Sox over the weekend man <laughs> Twitter Twitter you would think the Yankees fell into fourth place and they are struggling and they've lost 10 in a row but I'm gonna tell you man I'm not panicking um, obviously the Yankees have some holes they need to fill um, I think every team does even with the 14 game lead but I'm not panicking I'm not concerned I'm not worried they they built this big cushion very early and listen, it's baseball. It's 162 games. You're going to lose. You're going to look bad. There are going to be tough stretches. And the Yankees are probably in the middle of, of a tough stretch right now. But I'm not concerned at all. You know, they split that series with the Red Sox, and they didn't lose any ground against them. It's still 14 games. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm waiting to see what they do for the trade deadline, If what pieces they add. Um, I think they need at least one starting pitcher, some outfield help something in the bullpen um, just to kind of solidify the roster for that October run. But I'm not concerned, man. Not at all. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Are you concerned at all about the red hot Baltimore Orioles, man? I mean, the <laughs> Orioles, are, I think, have the longest winning streak right now in all of Major League Baseball. And, you know, they're, they're, they're coming up, man. They're, they're even rising in the power rankings. I mean, when's the last time the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles have been within the top 20 in the power rankings? And I think this week, or as we're speaking, they're ranked number 15. Um, are you concerned about Baltimore, man? I mean, they, they look like they're coming they, after the Yankees, man. That's a young team. They're hungry. They're, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I've been saying we got to look out for Baltimore because one year I'm going to get it right, and they're going to be good enough to, <laughs> to make some noise. This might be the year, man. It's a dark horse team in the AL. You never know what can happen. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think look, I think Baltimore still has a way. Look, I think every other team in that division is still better than Baltimore. You know what I yeah. mean? In the AL East. So, Baltimore, look, every team can get hot, and Baltimore's been playing well. But you know what's what? You know what's really interesting, though, Rob, is like they're playing well at the wrong time. 
if if I'm if if I'm you know running the Orioles because you know they have some some pieces on their team that players who you think would be very attractive as trade candidates but if they keep playing well it's going to be a false expectation created mm. that perhaps they can make a run and i wonder if the if the gm and the club leadership somehow feel a little bit handcuffed by their recent success you know what i'm saying like cuz like Trey Mancini is probably a trade candidate yeah you know i think um what's his name lopez they 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 the closer they're, yeah yeah or, i think he's or, a trade candidate don't you i mean but yeah they have that's a team that has a few pieces that you know you look at a team and, and maybe they don't trade with the yankees but you know they have in recent years with with britain going to new york but teams like that where you know these guys aren't necessarily superstars but they fill in different places on other rosters that are necessary, you know, and Baltimore could get some good prospects in return and, and sell high for these contending teams. But uh, I agree, you know, if Baltimore, let's say, you know, by the trade deadline is still as close as they are now to that third wild card spot, they may hold on and try to buy at the deadline. And then we'll see that regression um, from that team. And maybe we won't, but, and it'll be fun if they continue to win. But ultimately I, I expect them to regress back to come back down to earth kind of thing. And then they would have missed their opportunity to sell off at the deadline and, and get rid of these, not get rid of, but trade away these players who could have helped them bring in prospects for next year or, the, or beyond. Yeah. Because look, I mean, right now, Baltimore is two games out of the last wild card spot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so they, they can legitimately, legitimately say we have a chance. So do they become sellers you know what i'm saying um because again i think this is false i think this is smoke and mirrors i think it's temporary as you were saying so i think they still have to be thinking otherwise but it's gonna that might be tough to convince you know the fan base is probably really feeling good about this team right now yeah and i think of a team like seattle where not much was expected of them last year and they were very close to the playoffs and you know they they're hot now and and they're in the wild card talk and they're in there at the third spot but you know they made these moves because it was like wait a minute we just got good all of a sudden nobody expected this let's bring in some veteran talent let's try to mix it up and let's let's go for it this year and maybe baltimore thinks like that but i think you know as a front office you have to really look at it yourself and say are we there like is it worth bringing in guys and trading away some of our prospects for veteran talent rentals pretty much because i don't think baltimore is going to take on any big contracts but bringing no. in rental guys for for prospects are we really trying to do that this year or should we hold off you know let's let's trade away some of our our assets and really bring in some talent to help continue build what we're building here and, and kind of use this year as a foundation yeah yeah, look, it's it's tough because I think, you know, like a guy like Mancini is going to be a free agent, right? So you either move him or you lose him. Yeah. Right. Um, so they have some decisions to make. I, if, 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 if a week from now, you know, as we head into the All-Star break, 
the Orioles are still playing well and everything else. I think they're, you know, and coming out of the break, they continue to kind of, you know, still seem, you know, seem to be in the hunt. It may force that team to stand pat. I agree with you. They're not going to bring on big salaries, but it may force them to stand pat, you know, with mm-hmm. the idea of, hey, this this team that we have right now may get us there. Um. You know, I, I think they're going to be under pressure. I think they're going to have decisions to make. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But we have to see if they continue to play well, you know, as we as we head to the trade deadline. But, yeah, man, watch out for you, – you, your Yanks better watch out for those <laughs> Orioles, man. <laughs> Shoot, the birds are flying man. high, Jack. <laughs> I never thought we'd have a whole segment on Baltimore – on the Baltimore Orioles on the Neither show. did I. Neither did I. <laughs> You know, the other thing, though, um, speaking about my team now, the Metsies, you know, the, the Braves have just been stalking them over the last month or so. Um, there was a time when the Mets had maybe an eight, nine, ten game lead over over the Braves. And, and you know, like right now, as we said, um, coming into this three game set uh, starting tonight, um, that lead has shrunk to a game and a half. Um, but here's the thing, though. Um, I'm a Mets fan, but I will say this. The Braves are better than the Mets, mm. in my opinion. I think they have a better team. I think their lineup is much deeper, right? I think they have some dynamic players that the Mets just don't have. The Mets don't have a player like Acuna on their team. Um, Ozzy Albies is hurt, but Ozzy Albies is, you know, a really good player. Uh, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson. Um, Travis Darno behind the plate. I think the Mets catching situation from an offensive standpoint, they have one of the worst, yeah. you know, worst production from the catcher's position of any team in baseball. Uh, Travis Darno probably is going to be an all, is he an all-star Travis Darno? Has he, has he been named? I'm not sure. But I think he, I think he's deserving of it for sure. If he hasn't made it. And then they got Matt Ol- Olson at first. And obviously the Mets got the polar bear, but I think I think the the Braves lineup is much deeper and much more potent than the Mets. And then I think their pitching is probably just as good, if not better, than the Mets, top to bottom, when you add the rotation and the bullpen. Yeah. So, you know, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, and maybe it'll be this series, I don't know, that the Braves overtake the Mets because I think the Braves are a better team than the Mets. I think the Mets need at least another bat. Uh, There's been some talk about uh, Wilson Contreras, right? Um, That they may get him. He, you know, he's going to be out there on the market um, at the trade deadline, but I think the Mets need another bat. And certainly if they can improve at the catcher's position, that would be ideal because right now, as I said, their catcher's, offensively are really challenged yeah and listen the Braves have have preached depth in that in that roster up and down for the past few years and they've made moves and they've added pieces and sometimes it's pieces that may not be producing at their old team and you know like I think of a Jorge Soler who came in last year and just tore it up I think he won the World Series MVP and everything um so the Braves get these guys and they're, they're stars when they get to Atlanta and 
you know, they got hot at the right time. They're playing some great baseball. Michael Harris is a guy in the outfield for them who's just doing an amazing job. Another unexpected, you know, Mm -hmm. call up and doing a great job up there. And I agree. I think the Mets are missing at least one impact bat. Um, I think they need some, I think they need at least a starter and not so much a star pitcher to come in, but someone who can eat some innings, um, be consistent. It doesn't have to be, I think back to like when the Yankees traded for like a Lance Lynn, something like that, who at the time Mm -hmm. he wasn't what he became with the White Sox, but someone who came in and can just eat innings, give him six, seven innings, you know, per start, maybe give up three, four runs, but, you know, really count on that offense to make up for that, for, for the, you know, the lack of dominance in the, in the starting rotation. But yeah, I think the Mets, you know, they started off hot and we saw the natural regression of a team, but they have, I agree. They have to add a couple pieces at this deadline, um, whether it's an impact bat or a couple pitchers to really solidify and hold on to that division. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that the Mets aren't a good team. I think they are. Yeah. I think fundamentally they're a good team. I think they have some nice players, but you, I, I think you say it right. The impact bat, they need that. They, they need one or two of them, man. Um, because I look at the mess and I'm saying, okay, other than Alonzo, who scares you in that lineup? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, if you can start singling out one guy in a lineup, then you can pitch around him. Right. And, you, you you can make him hit your pitches because you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're saying, yeah. I'm not going to let that guy beat me. But yeah. when you have three or four guys in a lineup who you say, man, I got to go through these guys, right? <laughs> it makes it better for everybody because you got to pitch to every guy. Yeah. I think a guy like a Josh Bell from Washington would be a good fit. Um, he could DH, play some first, kind of spell Pete Alonzo's maybe alternate DH in first base. That'll be a mm-hmm. nice bat. He's having a pretty good season this year. Yeah. Uh, somebody like that. Yeah. Because they, 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 yeah, because they're kind of using Dominic Smith in that role and it's just not the same. Yeah. You know, it's just not the same. So listen, I, again, I would think that the Braves are going to overtake the Mets this year. I just think the Braves are a better team. And so I think, you know, if there's any Mets fans out there right now who are on the couch because they're going, Oh my gosh, we're going into Atlanta and you know, <laughs> only one and a half up. <laughs> it's like, take a chill because more than likely you're going to be looking up at Atlanta when the dust settles this season. I still think the Mets will be in it. You know what I mean? I think that I, I think they probably will finish in second. I think the Mets are better than the Phillies. I do think the Phillies yeah. have a more potent lineup than the Mets, but I think the Mets may be overall better. And then look, if they get DeGrom back, man, that could change a whole lot of stuff. And he's DeGrom, you know, yeah. Scherzer, you know, he came back off the IL and, you know, he pitched really well against Cincinnati and they have him going tonight in the first game of this three game set with Atlanta and he's still pitching well. Taiwan Walker, I know I talked about Taiwan and said, listen, he was an all-star last year. Then he was a no-star after the all-star break. But Taiwan Walker, Rob, has been, he's, he's been great for the Mets. He has. The first half of the season. He has. And if Chris Bassett is a guy who I expected to be doing much better, he started the season off, you know, pretty good. If he can round into form, that's a, that's a pretty solid rotation, man. It sure is. 
Well, right sure after is. the All-Star break, that, that's kind of what the Mets would need. Right. And I think that could change the course of things as well. So I think the Mets will be in it to the end. And I, but I do think they need to make some changes, add some, you know, some additions. Um, I think Philly is, you know, starting to play well. And that's what, and it's without Bryce Harper, right? Who's been yeah. out, you know, with, 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 with the busted thumb after he got hit by Blake Snell. Um, you know, but he'll be back. But the Phillies have been playing well, they've been pitching well. Which is kind yeah. of a surprise, um, but they're Cal playing Schwarber. well. And I think you got to, yeah, man. <laughs> He's out of his mind right now. <laughs> yeah, and he gets like that, doesn't he? Yeah. Remember last year with the Nationals, <laughs> where he was like, <laughs> he just went man. on some ridiculous home run streak. Yeah, he gets that way, and you know, Kyle Schwarber has really been swinging a hot stick. So, look, you know, I think Mets fans need to just chill and just enjoy the fact that, you know. It should be competitive over the second half of the season. And hopefully the Mets continue to play well or playing meaningful games. And, you know, they continue to, you know, uh, contend for the division. But I think the expectation should be that the Braves probably are the better team. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we'll see, man. You never know. The deadline could change everything. If DeGrom, like you said, if DeGrom comes back and he's Jacob DeGrom and he looked really good in his minor league start, he's pumping mm-hmm. 100 yeah. um, in that rehab start. So if he comes back and he's himself, him and Scherzer, that's <laughs> that's something to fear. Yeah. And by the way, on that point, the Mets reportedly weren't happy that, that, that DeGrom was pumping 100 in his rehab starts because they're like, they believe that one of the things he needs to do is dial it down. Mm. And I kind of agree with that. I don't think, you know, he needs to, you know, throw a hundred consistently. It was interesting. I was watching a little bit of the Mets game yesterday. Uh, They were playing the Marlins and Sandy Alcantara was on the mound. Who's just been phenomenal this year. Right. Oh, good. Super good. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. And, you know, this guy goes deep in games. He pitched eight innings yesterday. You know what I mean? Um, And he's always going deep in games and uh, pitching with high quality. And they were saying about Alcantara that he says he kind of, he, he, he doesn't go all out at the beginning of the game. He saves some for later. So he paces himself. Mm. So he's not going out there throwing with everything he has in the early innings. He paces himself so that he can still bring it and maybe even up the heat later in the game. And so I think there's a, you know, and I I think there's a reason why this guy's going deep in games. Yeah. Because, you know, I think there are too many pitchers in baseball now who from the very first inning are throwing as hard as they can and it's almost like I'm, a go- I'm going to throw as hard as I can for as long as I can, which is yeah. why a lot of these guys are five, five and a third, five and two third, go six innings, and they want a purple heart. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, put a purple heart on my chest. I just put <laughs> six innings, six innings. You know what I mean? And Alcantara gets mad when you come and try to take him out in the eighth inning or the seventh yeah. inning. You know what I mean? Because he's like, wait a minute. I'm not done. 
Yeah. So I think so. The Mets weren't happy with Degrom, Rob. They they said, you know what? They're hoping that he dials it down when he comes back, especially for a guy who has such an injury history. You know what I'm saying? You can you can see why the Mets feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you bring that up because I was actually watching the Yankees Red Sox game on the the Michael K and A Rod um, game cast thing they do mm-hmm. on ESPN, and they had Roger Clemens on. And one of the things that Clemens said is. When he pitched, you know, his fastball was normally 93, 94. But when it came to face guys like, you know, he mentioned Alex Rodriguez or, you know, top, top guys, you know, big hitters. That's when he would, that's why he was, he would save his fastball and pump it up. And they would get the 97, 98. And he was like, you know, I could go 100. Absolutely. But there was no reason for me to go 100, you know, against the number eight hitter or the number nine hitter. I saved that Mm -hmm. for the heart of the lineup to make sure that, I had my best pitches for the best hitters. Yeah. So I absolutely get it with, you know, with Sandy doing the same thing, kind of having that in his reserve. Um, Luis Severino is another guy who, you know, he can definitely dial it up there to 98, 99, but you kind of see him hovering a little bit lower than that, unless he really has to bring it, you know, when Mm -hmm. he's in a jam or when he knows, you know, this is my last inning, I'm going to let it rip. And, and that's why you see, like you said, that's why you see some of these guys able to go, past that sixth inning, get into the seventh, the eighth, um, which is not something we see every day. So maybe the Mets have a point and, you know, maybe DeGrom doesn't have to give you 99-100. Maybe he can sit 96-97 because he has great movement on his pitches. And, you know, he has some great off-speed stuff. So he can learn to manipulate that and use that to his advantage. And then if he has to dial it up to 100 in the seventh inning against, you know, one of the top hitters, so be it. Let it go. You know, but I think the Mets have a point, especially when you want to make a run in October. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll see, you know, you know, we'll see what happens when and if the Grom comes back. Um, last thing on the baseball front uh, with the All-Star game next week, home run derby, the full field has not been announced. But we know that Pete Alonzo, who's defending two-time champion, I believe, in the yeah. home run derby. Uh, will be participating again, as will um, Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves. But also, too, it was announced today, at least it's being reported, that Prince Albert, Albert Pujols, who is one of the legends that have been selected by Commissioner Manfred, along with uh, Miguel Cabrera from the American League, uh, to be in the All-Star game, um, Albert Pujols, he, uh, you told me earlier, the five home runs on the season <laughs> is going to compete <laughs> in the home run derby. <laughs> I hope Prince Albert has more than five home runs in his bat at the home I run sh- derby. I sure hope so. Man. Otherwise, it could be sad. Well, what do you think about Pujols being in the home run derby, bro? Um, I think it's fun I guess for the fans to see Albert Pujols in there but like you said if he if he goes out to the you know considering the kind of shows he put on when he participated before if he goes out there and doesn't hit more than five home runs or you know it's one of those bad swing things going on, man I mean I guess it's fun for the fans to see him it's his last season he got a chance <laughs> to pitch earlier in the year right and now gets a chance to to end his career with the home run derby I don't think he'll win the expectation. I, I'm sure he'll get eliminated in the first round, but I guess it's fun for us fans to kind of see that for the last time. 
My money's on Prince Albert to win. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to Kinko's tomorrow <laughs> and start printing out, you know, labels. I'm going to get some T-shirts made from Vista Print, but whoever makes the T-shirts and stuff. And uh, yeah, Prince Albert. I'm going for Prince Albert <laughs> for the win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, oh, man. We'll leave. I'll It'll leave be that interesting to see how they throw the ball to him if they if they pitch under. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that, that that my money's Man. on Prince Albert. I don't care who else is in the contest. They <laughs> they they could put they could bring back the combination of Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa and put them in one player, and I'm still gonna go with Prince Albert. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would not want to be the guy who loses to him in that first round, though. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> I know. So that'll be interesting to see see my man Albert Pujols in what will be his last All-Star game uh, competing in the Home Run Derby. So we'll see that next week. So, yeah, but my money's on, 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 on Albert. Um, switching gears for a minute, uh, you know, we've been talking about Brittany Griner for a while. And last week there was um, some some developments there um, with with her situation uh, regarding her um, detain detainment in Russia on drug charges. Um, first of all, what was interesting was that there's a, there was a, a lot of, um, you, you know, you, you heard a lot of rumblings from her family, from her wife about how the Biden, how Joe Biden, they hadn't heard from him. And the administration was very careful to talk about how Biden, you know, was in contact with the family and all the rest of it. But it seemed like that contact was indirect, you know, if you really read between the lines. And it was a groundswell because it's like her wife was like, that's it. I'm not being quiet anymore. And she went on interview tours and players started speaking up very vocal on social media you had a hundred prominent black women who signed a letter saying, Brittany, you know, hey, we get a, enough is enough. The United States needs to get a home. Um, Al Sharpton was talking about he and other religious leaders should be allowed to go to Russia so that they can, you know, pray for and be a source of support for Griner. So it was a lot going on. And then Griner last week pled guilty, which, you know, some had, some legal experts has been saying that might be her best strategy because it seemed as if Russia was saying until she was sentenced, there, there would be no talk of a potential exchange. You know what I mean? I think that's at least one of the factors going on. So it was a lot happening last week, Rob. And so what do you take of all the activity and, and, you know, even Biden and, and vice president uh, Harris reached out to Griner's wife, I think after all the rumblings about, how he hadn't done so personally. So it seems as if a lot of the, you know, a lot of the work on the ground and a lot of the, you know, um, protests and and, and so forth coming forth from various places um, made a difference. Yeah. And I think that's stuff that um, back when this began, you and I did, you know, spoke about, you know, this stuff has to be continued. It has to, we have to continue to give it, you know, legs, let it run, 
we can't just forget that Brittany Griner's over there. And I think for a while there was a lot of quiet about her situation. You know, it wasn't on, on the news. It wasn't on ESPN. It wasn't being talked about on social media. And now we can see the power of speaking out, you know, people using their voice, people talking, um, going on social media, all that stuff. There's a power to your words when you're, when you speak it the right way. And I think that's what we're seeing now with this Brittany Griner situation where a lot of people, a lot of her support are saying, all right, you know, enough is enough. Like this has gone on for way too long. There hasn't been any movement, any word, nothing going on. We need her home. And this is the outcome of that. And, you know, it's putting pressure on, on the Biden administration to make some moves, whether it's communicating with the family or sending people over to check on her and, and get updates and all that stuff. But pressure is being put on the administration to make moves. And hopefully, you know, this is something that then grows into actually bringing her home and, and whatever the terms are going to be to get her home. Yeah. And one of the things that goes with the groundswell that has, you know, sprung up is the reaction from, from Russian officials, because their response has been, this is not helpful, you know, and they, they, they point out, especially, you know, all of the, what they call rhetoric from the U S government, you know, saying that Brittany Griner has been wrongfully detained. And, you know, they're saying these are very serious charges against her and so forth. And so, you know, obviously the relationship between the two countries, the United States and Russia, is not good right now, uh, given what's going on in the world with, with the war, Russia uh, against Ukraine. Um, but But the Russian officials have, not surprisingly, taken a tough stance right and have come out and pointedly said you know okay you guys are making a lot of noise but that's not necessarily helpful um but i think for folk here in the country you know those who are supporting britney is a it's, it's coming from a lot of places there is this sense of okay enough is enough we got to get a home um which i think is great but i also know too and you and i talked about it offline that there are other Americans who are detained in Russia and in other countries. And some families have expressed some unhappiness with, with the attention as being focused on Brittany Griner, as opposed to their family member who maybe is not as much of a household name. Um, I think there's, I think there's some legitimacy to that, even though there are some people who think there hasn't been enough attention on Brittany Griner. So there's a lot of layers here, Rob. You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of Americans in various countries who are detained and been detained some for for years and years. Yeah, and I think a lot of it um, is about the name. Like you said, it's about the household name, the power that a name holds. Um, so, you know, there were talks about if it was LeBron or Tom Brady out there, um, this would be headlines every single day. And I do agree with that. If it were LeBron James or Tom Brady or somebody like that, they, their star power, their name would be out there a lot more than Brittany Griner's is. Um, but as you mentioned, Brittany Griner's name is out there a lot more than, you know, the average Joe that's out there, that's been out there for years, 20 plus years maybe. 
Um, and we have never heard about it. Don't know anybody's name. Um, so yeah, there is some, there, like you said, there are levels to, to this. And I think we're seeing that in this situation. Yeah. And, you know, you had mentioned the player, I think you said it was Sophie Cunningham, who yeah, was, was saying, right, if it was LeBron or, or Tom Brady, there'd be more attention. I think she's absolutely right. <clears throat> but I don't think it's a male-female issue. I'm not I'm not sure that's what she was saying. Maybe she's just saying those guys have bigger names, and so they would. But that's the point, though. You know what yeah. I mean? I think it's the name. I don't think it's male-female, right? I don't think it's male-athlete, female-athlete. Um, I think it's LeBron is just a bigger name. Tom Brady's a bigger name. But, you know, I, I mentioned to you before, you know, you give me the backup quarterback on Tampa Bay, who we probably, we don't even know who he is, right? Or you take a third string catcher on a baseball team, he's a male, but if he was detained, I think Brittany Griner would get more attention than that guy because just of the name and the star power of the person involved. So I don't, I don't think, I think it's true that LeBron and Brady would get more attention, but I think it's because they're LeBron and Brady, right? I mean, their names are just bigger than most other athletes and most other human beings right right now in the world. So, you know, but again, I don't know if it was meant as a male-female type of a thing or a male athlete versus female athlete type of a thing, but I don't think male-female has anything to do with it. I think there's some female athletes who probably would get more attention than Brittany Griner because they have a bigger name. If it was Serena Williams. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so I get it, but, but I also get what these families are saying too, who say, Hey, wait a minute, my son, my daughter has been detained and no one has been talking about her or him. And the, and this has been going on for years. I get that point too. You know what I'm saying? I get both. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and it's like we said, there, there are levels to it, whether it's, you know, unfortunately or not, it, it, there are levels to it. And, Unfortunately, I guess you can say for those families who don't have their their loved ones with them, and there is no nobody to speak for them, um, they get prioritized. Bigger names will get prioritized. Yeah, I think that's right. So, but um, <clears throat> there has been movement. Um, you know, we the guilty plea. You know, Biden administration personally reaching out to the family, um, and uh, you know more dialogue. And so we'll see what happens, obviously, as this story continues uh, to unfold. Um, I guess the last thing, Rob, um, you know, the NBA and NBA free agency, you know, was crazy. Um, There's been some trades. Gobert going from Rudy Gobert going from uh, Utah to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, And there's been long stories you know long-standing stories of gobert and star guard donovan mitchell not getting along and utah clearly said who they believe is more important to their future (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they kept mitchell and they shipped out (laughs) rudy gobert um but there's been a lot going on um but the one thing i just want to talk about real quickly man as we get ready to head on up out of here damian lillard just signed a two-year extension for a hundred and twenty-two million dollars. Now, 
he has three years left on his current deal. <laughs> That's going to pay him $137 million. <laughs> which is about 45, 46 million a year. And then the two year deal kicks in with an AAV of $61 million. <laughs> what? <laughs> man. Man, oh man. I'm sorry. My kid, my kid is playing basketball, Jeff. <laughs> I know I named him Jeter. But Jeter could play in the NBA too. That's right. I mean, man, Dame Dollar is accurately is accurately named one hundred and twenty-two million dollars for two years. You know, listen, I don't know all the mechanics of the NBA you know, CBA and as it relates to the contracts, um, you know, but these max deals, super max deals and all the rest of it, we've seen some remarkable numbers coming out. We talked about it the last time, you know, all the deals, you know, that we saw that were over 200 million, 225, 250, you know, and so forth. There's been a lot of deals, you know, Jokic got one, Beal got one, um, Booker, um, I think Zion maybe even is 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 yeah. up in, in, in that He's area. In Man, it, it's just incredible the amount of money that has been flowing around. And again, you know, we may need to talk to somebody at some point to say to explain how yeah. all this works. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, man, he's going to be making. 60 million in a couple of years, 60 plus million for one yeah. year. That yeah. is... uh, it's, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know they have a cap system. I know, you know, so obviously they get a certain players get a certain percentage of basketball related revenue. And it just, it just has to, you just have to, con- you know, conclude that basketball related revenue is going through the roof. Yeah. Right. And, you know, players are getting this. Um, but yeah, man, $162 million, uh, $122 million for two years. It seemed to me Dame Dollar got to be buying dinner for everybody for a while, man. That's what I think. Yeah. Maybe everybody around the NBA or at least all, all of Portland. Because, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing, Rob. And here's the other thing. And that's just it. That's basketball revenue. But, you know, Dame Dollar has been on Hulu. You know, he's, yeah. he's sponsoring Hulu. He's in the Modelo commercials. And I'm sure he has other sponsorships as well. He probably has a sneaker, I would think. I believe so. And he also has his, his rap career he's doing. He does his own music, too. Yeah. So I'm sure he gets something out of there. But, but see, here's the thing. It's fine that these guys are making this money. But I, I would hope that there are players who right now who are making this money and are thinking in terms of ownership Mm. that of of coming together, maybe at the end of their careers, putting some money aside now, getting the right connections with, you know, some other moneyed you know, people out there, but maybe getting together with one another and saying, yeah, we're going to take some of this money and we want to position ourselves to buy a franchise one day. Yep. 
And I'll tell you who'll start that. It'll be LeBron James. Probably. I think he'll be the first one, and that'll hopefully set things off, and we'll see some more diversity in, in prominent positions in the front offices and a big shift in the NBA for the better. I hope so. I mean, you know, right now we know we got Mike as, you know, an owner. So why, why can't there be others? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're right. LeBron is, he's one of the few billionaire athletes out there, right? Um, he crossed over to the billion dollar value. So why not him? Yeah. But hopefully it's him and some of these other players. Because, you know, how many cars, how many houses, how much jewelry can you buy? after a while right exactly so I'm, I'm hoping some of these guys are thinking about ownership and you know saying listen at some point i want to come together whether it's with other players or with other investors and become an nba owner that would That's be perfect yeah. yeah some basketball loving people in basketball and prominent basketball positions yep and likely to be African-American players too, yep. which would help in, you know, ownership diversity, right? Yep. So we shall see. And here's the other thing too. They don't have to just buy basketball teams. Exactly. Right? I mean, they can be involved in other stuff too. Yeah. But I just hope they're thinking ownership of sports franchises. Um. Because I don't care what owners try to say, in in these major sports, they're making money. Oh yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. Oh yeah, that that's why I look at a guy like Alex Rodriguez, who who bought a share of the, of the Timberwolves, and I heard him on a podcast saying, you know, I looked at the NBA, and the NBA is trending up, so I knew that my investment in the Timberwolves was gonna that investment I made is gonna come right back and maybe double if not more. So I hope a lot of athletes, like you said, are looking at the money they're making today and, and realize if I can invest and get together with a couple, you know, people that I can trust, whatever I invest in a team, whether it's, you know, paying a billion or two billion or whatever, that can come right back. And then you make a difference. Like you said, increasing that diversity in front offices, that would be a beautiful thing to see. No doubt. No doubt about it. So, we shall see what happens. But um <clears throat> all right, bro, we're gonna get on up out of here. Um, we should come back and should be able to come back before the all-star game. And you know, you know, we'll know more about who's gonna get in or not, because I'm sure there are gonna be some guys who right now are viewed as snubs who might get in because of injuries or other issues. And then we'll also know who's going to be in the home run derby field. You know, we can round that out. Um, but it doesn't matter because Albert Pujols is taking home <laughs> the goal. But we'll just know who he's going to be up against. But, um, you know, MLB All-Star Game. Uh, are you a big All-Star Game guy? Do you watch the game? Do you enjoy the MLB All-Star Game? I do. I feel like it's gotten better over the past few years. There was a moment in time where it was kind of like, eh, but I've kind of really zoned in, and I actually watch a, a good chunk of that game, if not the whole game. So I'm looking okay. forward to it. All right. So we'll probably, you know, if we can come back next week before the game, you know, we could we could talk about, you know, um, 
you know, the festivities, you know, the home run derby, well, the home run derby will be Monday night. Um, and then the all-star game will be on Tuesday. Uh, futures game, what, on Sunday, right? Um, and so there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on there, but we'll talk about that and other stuff, uh, other happenings around the world of sports uh, when we come back next week and do it again on another edition of Sports 360. So I'll catch you then, bro. Take it easy, man. All right.